Hello and welcome to Switch It, where it's time to let a little Caribbean sunshine into our lives. Not literally, of course, ESPN's budget won't stretch that far and I don't tan very well anyway. But with a three-test series between England and West Indies starting next week, it's time to hit the button marked Red Bull Reset and wonder how Joe Root's revamped squad is going to fare. The outlook hasn't been particularly sunny for either side in recent times, and I'm already sensing that today's guests on the pod might try to outdo each other in the pessimism stakes. Joining me are Andrew Miller, ESPN Crick Info's UK editor, and a man who can count on the fingers of one finger how many times England have won in the Caribbean in the last 50 years, and making her Switch debut, combining the fire of Michael Holding with the all-round <laughs> skill of Stephanie Taylor, Jamaica's finest, ESPN presenter, reporter, Alexis Nunes. Uh, good to see you both. Anyone want to put in the first bid for underdog status? Wow, that was that was the most wonderful introduction I've ever gotten <laughs> in my entire life. And that's probably <laughs> about as good as my entire series is going to go. It does, it's just going to go downhill from here now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll package that up as a, a NFT for you. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sell it. <laughs> um Miller you I mean you, you must be feeling uh, good because you've had your first net of the uh summer uh, with inverted commas and you've not broken yourself yet so I'm not broken I I'm 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 creaking but I'm not broken <laughs> which is which is which is always a good sign uh, but yeah I, I will lay claim to the, the the first dibs and the pessimism stakes um as you rightly say England have won one tour in the Caribbean since 1968 I think they've been there 10 times they generally get tonked uh, they even in the more recent history, bear in mind that uh, West Indies ruled the roost in the 1970s, and 1980s. It's basically all through the 1990s, England started to think, oh, we might beat them this time. Not a chance. All through the 2000s, had one, one opportunity to beat them and did so when England were on the way to producing probably their best team in the past 20, past, um, 20 30 years of the 2005 team. Uh, and since then, They've really been the dominant side in on paper. Uh, they've gone over there and been embarrassed, frankly. Uh, on in 2009, they they lost the series, bowled out for 51, uh, had a reset that um, mirrors the one that's undergoing at the moment. Frankly, uh, it, it turned up the goods in the long term, but in the short term, uh, humiliation. 2015, they came out there and um, straight after the World Cup, uh, they'd been humiliated in in um, in Australia. Uh, they came out there with Colin Graves helpfully saying that West Indies were mediocre opposition and England should beat them. And they got embarrassed yet again. It was, it was a draw on that occasion, but uh, a very humiliating draw, frankly. And 2019, again, you know, there they were charging towards World Cup glory uh, that summer, but um, took their eye off the ball in Test cricket throughout that period. Um, got soundly thumped, um, lost the series 2-1, but they were 2-0 down after two drubbings. Bowled out in double figures yet again in the first test. Uh, it's been a common theme. And every single time in the last 20 years, really, England have gone out there kind of thinking, yeah, you know what, we've probably got the measure of these guys. Yeah, they're, 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 not, they're not the team they used to be, uh, but they're still a perfectly good team to, to uh, give the hurry up to a side that goes out with, with complacency. And, um, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into the nitty gritty of, of this tour uh, in due course, but there's nothing quite as complacent as thinking, you know what, now's the right moment to bin off uh, our two greatest uh, fast bowlers, Broad and Anderson, and uh, basically pick a, a team that, um, you know, Joe Root actually said in his press conference the other day, this is not a development tour, which is code for, yeah, this is a development tour. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that, that's, it's not the way to win in the West Indies, frankly. 
Um, well, there you go, Alexis. That was a pretty long and comprehensive uh, tale of woe, wasn't it? I mean, <laughs> it's going to be hard to, to be as woeful as Miller was there, honestly. So I'm going to try and be somewhat optimistic and say, personally, as a West Indian, and I know obviously speaking for many West Indians, we almost treat any England series as I suppose England would treat the Ashes. This is our marquee series. We absolutely love it based on history, of course. And I think that there's something about England that always brings out. I don't always want to say the best in the West Indies because there have been some really humiliating losses, but um, I think we always leave the series, the test series specifically, learning a bit more about ourselves, whether for better or for worse. You know, Miller just rattled off a few that I can remember um, in recent times. And, you know, Jason Holder with his 202, that was probably to this day my most favorite test and even though you know it wasn't to completely win the series or anything it felt like we did it felt like almost a world cup win and um it was it, it just truly was special to see what he did with Shane Dorich as well the fact that it was in Barbados in front of their home crowd and then you even fast forward to the coronavirus pandemic West Indies came over as the first bit of cricket the first taste of cricket we were able to get um when we still didn't know what was going on in the world and even though that series, again, we lost, I still think that there were some very competitive moments in what was still such an uncertain time, not just for sport and our lives, but I think continuously, I still say we just live in a continuous state of uncertainty in West Indies cricket since, of course, the legends, you know, left and, and you wonder where that conveyor belt is. Um, but I actually, I worked on that series, of course, for ESPN Crick Info and from the comfort of my living room floor <laughs> as we all did but I think we learned a lot it was quite an exciting series you know from from start to finish I really did enjoy it and then now here we are again and yes I know this is a little bit of a pessimism hour but there's still there's still little temptations to fall into tasting hope given the fact that we are at home given the fact that again there's something about England that brings out a certain fight in if it's not even the entire West Indian team but certain individuals like I said with the Jason Holder and the Shane Dorich um, and we've seen some of our best performances and we have seen some of our worst so um, as much as I love to say I love when West Indies play Pakistan because you just never know what's going to happen and you either know it's going to go really well for someone or really bad for the other. I feel like that's a bit like this now as well, given the fact that there is a lot of uncertainty still concerning the West Indies, but also a lot of uncertainty, probably a lot more than even I expected watching from the outside that follows England into this series as well. So I think it should be a good one. Um, it'll be the battle of the uncertain sides, but with those, I suppose you never know. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, there's there's always uh, some compelling drama on show, isn't there? Uh, we've had even um, even when England have won home series in recent years, you've had, uh, as you mentioned, the uh, the, the 2020 tour uh, and and the, I mean West Indies helping England out really, um, and for which there was some payback with that with the extra uh, T20s added on to to England's visit this time around. Um, but the, yeah, winning in Southampton in that first test. Um, winning at Headingley uh, five years ago, I think that was uh, now very a very famous uh, win. Oh, yeah. And yeah, as as Miller has um, uh, documented pretty thoroughly, there a, a lot of um, a lot of embarrassing moments in in the Caribbean um, <laughs> over <laughs> over a long period of time. Um, this, well, of course, this is as, as sort of touched on one of cricket's cricket's oldest rivalries. Uh, we have the added. 
spice of World Test Championship context, of course, this time around. Or to put it in football terms, I mean, uh, uh, Alexis, you're, you have a, a roving brief um, across La Liga and Premier League, FA Cup. Uh, this is a bottom of the table clash. Uh, <laughs> so, um, we didn't want to go there, Alan, but you went there. <laughs> Sadly, you know, six pointer. uh, (laughs) It's a six pointer. It's a cup final. (laughs) This is the misery out. I don't think. um, I don't think, even at this early stage, the twenty twenty three World Test Championship final looks a long way off for both sides. um, I I think it's only fair to say that there is nothing to lose but everything to gain. (laughs) How about we call it that? (laughs) There's there's pride and more at stake, but. um, I mean, England obviously still licking their their wounds uh, post Ashes, trying to put a positive positive spin on things. Um, Miller, Whit West in his last Test series win, uh, albeit a memorable one, was more than a year ago in Bangladesh. Um, but uh, yeah, that, let's let's go with um, the tourists and their attempts to uh, refashion their their test uh, side uh, with in, in the absence of Stuart Borden and James Anderson as you mentioned with with an interim head coach with Joe Root still at the reins um, Miller the dust has settled since, since that sort of squad announcement but um, has has your sort of uh, view changed any not really I mean <laughs> the, the dust has settled but it's settled in really really weird places it's like it's settled on. <laughs> On England deciding that actually, you know, the one real problem that we've got in our in our lineup at the moment is Joe Root is batting in the wrong place. Joe Root, who scored 708 runs at 66 in 2021, batting at number four, his long long preferred position. 1,708 runs, indeed, uh, <laughs> <laughs> even more. And, and you know, suddenly deciding, you know what? Now's the now's the moment to to recognise that that's our real weakness. Let's let's move up to number three, the place that he's been really really allergic to for his entire career I mean the average is 38 there it's not not a disgraceful average but it's uh, significantly lower and it sort of backs up his reticence about fronting up and you know I, I, we spoke to him the other day and and he, he says he feels like he's in the right headspace now he understands his game a lot better but fundamentally the reason he didn't want to go to number three in the first place was as captain as a guy who had to keep keep his brain whirring all through the game he just needed that that little buffer zone after being out in the field for a long period of marshalling his troops. He wanted to be able to go into the, into the dressing room and switch off, even if it's only for one ball, as as happened in the first test at, at Brisbane. You know, suddenly you're, you're not in that hot seat. You're not thinking next time something happens, I'm out there in the middle. You can just breathe. And he's decided that, he, you know, now's not the time to breathe. Now's the time to, to dive headlong into being absolutely front and centre of everything, which may be the right thing to do. It may be, may be the way to lead from the front, but frankly, he's been, he's been leading from the front with a bat in every way he possibly can in recent times. It seems strange to feel like this is the problem, uh, especially when you, you know, you're going to now, I think it looks like it's going to be Dan Lawrence inked in at number four. Uh, I, I've got a lot of time for Dan Lawrence, but is Dan Lawrence number four really the, 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 the master plan that England have been, been awaiting in in this whole thing and basically it sounds like ollie pope's going to get get the heave ho uh, he had a poor tour of the uh, of, of australia but uh, i mean it feels like they're swapping out one rookie bringing in another rookie uh, throwing it all up in the air hoping it settles and that's just the batting side of things nothing really looks like it's going to reach resolution there and on the bowling front i'm i'm even more confused to be perfectly honest i mean uh, it looks again. It looks like they've they've named their team for this afternoon. Um, the, the first ODI, first warm up game is in 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 the old Stamford Ground this afternoon, and they've gone for 
an incredibly samey attack. They've, they've, they've basically got uh, uh, Robinson, Wokes, Mark Wood, obviously, who, who bowled like a, like a god at times in, in, in Australia, and Craig Overton. I mean, it, it's three of those four are basically medium pacers who, uh, over, over a long period of time, England have been uh, trotting out right on medium pacers in overseas conditions and got badly found out for chasing their tail in the wrong, in the wrong dimension. Have they come, come for an absolute glut of guys who I just don't think are going to cut the mustard in that, in that regard. They've, they've left on the bench, they've left um, Fisher, who's, who, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a bolter for this tour, could, could be the next, next big thing, although he's only got 63 first-class wickets. So, you know, he, he's not exactly, not exactly a finished product at, at age 24. He's, he's out there probably to develop himself. But Matt Parkinson, once again, Matt Parkinson, who just keeps getting picked for tours, keeps getting left on the bench, keeps getting given the sort of vague sense that, you know, we, we like the theory of, of having a leg spin on our side, but the practice is a bit too scary. We just don't want to take the plunge here. If you're not going to take the plunge with Matt Parkinson at this juncture of a rebooting tour, what's the point of him? Why, why, are, you, why are you dragging him around the world and, and, and you know, wasting his time and, and everyone else's? Um, it, it, I just don't get where England are trying to get to with this team. Um, I don't know. Well, it, it, may, it, may, it may all fall into place, but, you know, I, I listening, to, listening to Joe Root trying to justify Wokes's promotion to new ball status, uh, it, was, it was a really baffling sort of circumlocutory way of saying that, you know, I know he averages 55 in overseas conditions and consistently looks like he doesn't know how to bang out at the same devastating length he manages in English conditions but maybe we'll give him the new ball this time and it might change it was it was it was it was hopeful <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't proof of any sort of master plan in England's thinking um, mm. I feel very confused as to quite where they want to get to on this particular trip um, is this just a holding pattern are they just they just uh, circling a bit like a bit like big jet tv and just you know waiting waiting for the waiting for the the weather to improve and then they they, they hit it hit the ground running in, in the English season if so then they're going to commit the, the same old mistake they always make in the Caribbean, which is underestimating West Indies, and they'll get spanked again. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, well, I'm baffled. And I'm, yeah, well, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll just the, stop. I'll lean back and... and this is all music to my wait. ears, to be honest. <laughs> this is improving Alexis's mood. Um, it's improving but, my mood slightly, but then the West Indies always have a way to bring me right back down to earth. They say, oh, you want to look confused and think that you don't know what you're doing? <laughs> Hold my well, beer. <laughs> we can, yeah, we can certainly get into the uh, West Indies selection panels um, uh, latest batch um, in in a bit. Uh, Alexis, from from the the Windies perspective, I mean, no no Jimmy Anderson, no Stuart Broad. That's that's um, eleven hundred Test wickets uh, left at home. Um, and Chris Wokes, lovely Chris Wokes, um, leading the bowling attack. Is apart from you know apart from the 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 lack of of the entertainment value of of, of Jimmy you know grimacing and gurning and flicking his <laughs> quiff from island to island, um, it, it, I mean does it does it um, speak to England underestimating the West Indies? Do you think will they be perfectly happy to line up against um, a team that doesn't contain either of those two players? Do you know, honestly, 100% yes. I feel like I don't want to go or lean on the crutch about, uh, I think I'm going to give England a bit more respect and think that they are underestimating um, the West Indies. I think England right now are going through a time that I think we all have to go through at some point. You know, you're, you're trying to find out how to get the perfect 
handover from the old guard into the new guard, you know, and there's, it seems to be no easy way to do it. There still is a lot of uncertainty and take it as someone who has said, we've been there in the West Indies and we still are there in the West Indies, you know, <laughs> there's no easy way to do it. There's, you're never going to find another Jimmy Anderson. You're never going to find another Stuart Broad. You just kind of have to enjoy them and honestly use them while they're still here. It, it baffles me as to how <laughs> they're still not being used when they're still just as passionate about the game and honestly not showing signs of slowing down. You know, there was always a talk that Jimmy Anderson was only suited to England conditions and he's very one dimensional. I think in the last couple of years, we've seen Jimmy Bowl probably better than, you know, he was back then. He's definitely not one dimensional at all. Stuart Broad, I mean, even when he was dropped, um, I think it was that first test against the West Indies as well that we saw and, mm. and you saw his reaction for it. And everyone was wondering if that was the right way. Should he have spoken out like that? Absolutely. Like that's the kind of fire that you want to see that they're showing no signs of slowing down. They do their work. And this is again, whether you want to underestimate the West Indies or not, you understand that this is a West Indies team that still is hurting, that still there's a lot of uncertainty around. And then you look around your team and you realize that there is a lot of uncertainty in this England team. So what better way to kind of help it than have two of the most experienced players pretty much ever. You know, there's a lot of young heads in this England team right now, and a lot of them still trying to make their way. Of course, you have Joe Root there, but then you have those that kind of always lead by example in Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson. And I remember even that wonderful image of West Indies when they were touring and they brought in Keon Harden as well, who I know quite well. And, and you know, Stuart Broad spent just some time on the sidelines with him, talking mm. to him. And, I, and to this day, Keon can remember every word Stuart Broad told him that day. And you think of, it's unfortunate that, you know, especially with the young up and coming fast bowlers that we have on the West Indies, that they won't have that. But even in England setup, just not to have that, I think the West Indies, everybody on that team would tell you 100%, do they look at this England team as more beatable without Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad? Absolutely. You know, nobody's looking at them as, oh, they're getting on in age. Oh, maybe they may be like a, a weak way into, you know, the West, the beating England. Nobody's looking at Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson in an England team as a weakness. Absolutely nobody on that West Indies team is looking at them like that. You yeah. see those two coming up to you to bowl, you're shaking a little, especially with the uncertainty of our batting lineup. The fact that we don't have an established opening pair either. That nobody is ever going to say that this is a weakness in it, of England. Jimmy Anderson could be 55 and they would still be like, oh my goodness, this is Jimmy Anderson because he and Stuart Broad are, are game changers. You know I mean, this, that this they have the a way. That, that Matt Fisher said when he was interviewed mm. after, after his call-up. The, the most telling line in, in, in the interview did uh, after, after he was called up was the, how gutted he was that he wasn't going to be on tour with those two to pick their brains. I mean, yeah. it makes no sense. You know, again, it, 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 it again seems just like a lack of imagination from, from the ECB. It, obviously, pandemic has had an impact in that. But clearly, the Lions squad in Australia as well was a, was a strange beast. It was a pointless tour, frankly. They went out there um, as a sort of, in theory, a shadow team to, yeah. to, to provide backup. But in the end, it turned out that, you know, Matt Fisher bowled very well, by all accounts. But in a bubble, completely out of any any real contact with the England team. There was no chance for the fringe players within the England team, Bairstow in particular, 
was a guy who didn't get the opportunity to bat in the Lions game against Australia A. So these guys existed sort of out there in theory, sort of practicing their lines for an England call up, uh, but actually being completely removed from the England setup. And now suddenly you get your call up and the guy, the guys you would really, 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 really want to, to learn from aren't there anymore. It's it, it's it smacks of a of a, of a, a lot of missed opportunity going on uh, within within England's ranks at the moment. They've, they've talked a really good talk for several yeah. years, and Mo Bobat in particular loves to big up the the notion that, that you know the, the pathways within English cricket are such that you know the, these guys are oven ready for international cricket by the time they've been through the Lions program. I'm not convinced that's the case at the moment, uh, and I'll be fascinated to see. How these guys go. I mean, Alex Lee's the guy we haven't talked about yet, um, mm. opening batsman, getting his opportunity. Um, very interesting tale that he's had. I mean, he, there he was as a as a young batsman at Yorkshire, winning the county championship twice. I think it was in 2014 and 15, age 21, 22, and then falling off a cliff and moving to Durham to to, to reboot his career. And now he's getting his chance at 28. I mean, it's a very interesting tale, but I'm not convinced that, that he's. You know, I think he's averaging just under 40 in recent seasons. I'm not convinced there's anything that's, that he's done with the Lions that has brought him further up the pecking order. He's got to the top of the pecking order largely because of failures elsewhere. It, 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 I don't, it just feels like a, another, another, another guy to throw on the bonfire. There's going to be 17 <laughs> openers since Andrew Strauss retired. None of them has averaged more than 30. And, um, you know, good luck to him. I hope he gets, I hope he gets a chance. But um, it's, uh, it, it doesn't feel like... Um, like a coherent strategy on on any level yet yeah i think it's just even going back to that point about the fact that i was saying i feel like i look forward to these england series against the west indies because we in terms of west indians learn a lot about ourselves and it's again with the uncertainty in our batting as well uh, even then i would rather put this lineup up against a jimmy anderson and a stuart broad because i think again it can bring out the best in some of them as well because you know you're going up against two of the best bowlers that england's had ever or that world cricket has had you know and it baffles me because i think we're still in that time where we're wondering is it a slight nudge to move on to pastures anew to take them out to enjoy retirement and i would understand that if their performances reflected that you know but i literally think in the last five or so years or even during the pandemic jimmy anderson has hit new levels of jimmy anderson that i don't even think he knew he could hit you know he's talked about how he goes and and puts his body through this work and again people want to bring up age but it, it seems like it's not doing any harm at all and stuart broad is the exact same thing and the understanding that both of them have in their partnership as well is is something that you cannot buy and you cannot find elsewhere you can't even find this in your opposition now in this West Indies team with the amount of youth that we have as well. The fact that, you know, you see some of the senior bowlers as well are like Kamar Roach, really. We know Shannon Gabriel's injured. So to have that, that is your not so secret, but always will be a secret weapon for England. And you're riding into another battle without it. And it reminds me of, I know with Sachin, when Sachin was coming towards the end of his career and everyone was slowly trying to push him to retirement because nobody wanted to see Sachin get out for less than 50. And even if he got out for 50, it was like, nobody wants to see Sachin struggling to 50. He's not as quick as he was before. He's not bouncing back as he was before. Then I understand it. Okay. But again, Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson have shown absolutely no signs of that whatsoever. And it's, again, it's your not so secret, secret weapon because secret in the sense that you can put them out there and, they will bring new levels that no batsman will be able to figure out. 
but everybody literally they have even just the presence i'm sure in the dressing room for the other lads that are out there is absolutely invaluable so it is one that baffles me as a West Indian. Am I thankful? Yes. Do I think that this makes England look a lot more beatable? Absolutely. Because if I were England, I would rather have a 50 year old Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad on my team than not have them whatsoever. <laughs> well, one one uh, person who would definitely be glad not soon is Craig Brathway, I, I would imagine, <laughs> given he was the 500th test wicket for both. Um, <laughs> Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, Craig's, Craig's saying his thank yous to the Lord somewhere in the room. <laughs> so, the, yeah, Andrew Strauss has done him a favour. Um, I mean, Miller, is there this sense, I suppose, that um, despite that there are some new names uh, in the group uh, and there, yeah, there could be, uh, well, certainly Lee's looks like to debut. Um, Saki Mahmood is another one in, in the mix for a first test cap. Um but there isn't re- there isn't really a kind of grand sense of of a of a new dawn or a kind of a you know taking the kids to uh, to to the Caribbean in in 1990 or whatever, um, because the, the the lineup that you've kind of alluded to it, it involves a lot of deck chairs being shuffled. If it if it is sort of Robinson, Wood and Wokes as the as the seam attack, um, if it's um, Root. Uh, Bearstow Stokes in the middle order with you know perhaps Lawrence as the young gun. It, it feels very much like the, the the teams that England have been putting out for the last year or two, um, yes. rather than kind of an opportunity that's being grasped with the with the um, dramatic dropping of of uh, and Anson. Well, precisely. I mean, yeah, Saki Mahmood, classic classic example. Here's a guy that everyone was saying talking about in in terms of an Ashes call up this winter. This is like just a little bit more pizzazz about his bowling. He's got a wonderful action. Um, maybe it's too soon for him to, to be thrust in as a, as a, as a test frontliner. But again, this opportunity to, to just test the water. But no, he's not even, not even in the starting 11 for the warm-up game, which kind of means he's not going to be in the mix for that first test on, on March the 8th. Um, Craig Overton, I've, I've talked about him endlessly because, you know, he's been around endlessly. He's, you know, <laughs> he, there he was in the 2017 Ashes Tour, um, performed admirably, but failed i mean england england lost 4-0 they, he, he came back in in 2019 uh, performed admirably with a bat frankly but didn't look ever as though he was going to be the the, the the guy to break through and now suddenly there he is he's the liable fourth seamer if england don't play a spinner with and again i've mentioned that matt parkinson it's going to be jack leach again um, <laughs> so again wonderful wonderful performance in 2019 at Headingley, and you know he's a he's a cult icon forevermore but is jack leach really very good in Sri Lanka? Ashes future <laughs> i don't know um i uh, I, could, I could bang on forever but you're right it, it, it is it, they have shuffled the deck chairs while parking away half of the beach you know they, 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 they've decided that you know you would cordon off these these two these two are too 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 old you can't can't swim here and uh, yeah stack up your deck <laughs> chairs the other end of the beach um, doesn't make sense to me <laughs> well i mean it, it, england might have uh, time to spend on the beach over the next few weeks uh, <laughs> thinking about their thinking about their choices certainly if the last tour is anything to go by um Alexis, so they got England got thrashed by ten wickets in Antigua. They got bowled out for seventy-seven in Barbados. Um, we have touched on. I will give you the chance to to indulge in some West Indies woe. The, the record hasn't been good since then. So uh, that that tour uh, early twenty nineteen, three years ago, um, 
West Indies have won uh, only only one uh, test win in, in eight at home since then. And that was by the skin of their teeth against Pakistan um, at Sabina Park last year. A one-wicket one win, Kemar Roach the hero uh, for his batting as much as, uh, as his bowling on that occasion. Um, lost five of the last six tests. So, you know, as much as, much as England look um, in a bit of a muddle uh, um, and like they've got a lot of working out to do on this tour, um, West Indies themselves aren't, aren't in the best place with their test cricket, let's say. No, and that's the thing. We haven't been in the best place um, in our test cricket, honestly. <laughs> a familiar for theme. A while. We have, we've had, you know, a little flex of, yes, finally, we're getting somewhere. And I thought we were getting somewhere, you know, probably about... I want to say three, four years ago, especially after that, those performances, you know, against England in, in 2019 in the Caribbean. But then there's been a dip. And I know, look, we could sit here and, and talk from now till kingdom come about West Indies woes in test cricket because it has come and it has hurt our test cricket form because of our success in, you know, the shorter formats, specifically in, in T20 formats. And while that's something that we we celebrate and we do need to continue on in because we've hit a low, I think, in T20 cricket recently as well, based on the performances in the last World Cup. It's but, still be England. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. But that now is expected. And, you know, you could talk to all of these boys on this team. And I remember I, I'm quite close with the one, the only Sir Jeffrey Dijon and he always says Lex you know back in my day before we even knew that these fancy new formats would be coming he's like all you have to do is play test cricket and play test cricket well and everything else will come easy and I understand now that we give a bit more I suppose respect to T20 cricket and we have specialized cricketers for that but for now growing up in the West Indies that's what you want to aim for and we see that horrifically in the way in which we go about our batting and I cover you know regional cricket for us um a lot in our super 50 tournament which is our 50 over tournaments as well as the west indies the championship which is the longer format which would be the test that we choose our mm. test teams from and the way a lot of them go about building these innings is in a panic station and it works well sometimes because you lose say you're opening three batsmen and then those coming in they just say all right you know what i'm just going to go after and beat this ball and sometimes <laughs> It works. Sometimes it works because there's already that mentality that's so, you know, ingrained in every West Indian cricketer that when it's panic stations, you can go for these six sixes and still you, you build an innings from it. It's not exactly the test innings you want to build, but sometimes it works. And more often than not, it has had to work. And I think that that over the last couple of years has horrendously hurt our batting honestly the the recent batting performances i have seen for the west indies i know sometimes we joke and we say surely we can't <laughs> hit another low and we do and we do it's it's at the point where we're struggling to make 100 in a test match we're, hot, well, we're struggling it, it, well it, funny as you say it, that like here we go you know what i spent the winter watching the ashes <laughs> and, and you know you you're you are you are describing a team that is basically the same team that i've been watching we are we are talking about the same team we are England, that's England, what i think i don't know what to expect i don't mean, went example, through it, this as well you know, there was that period. You 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 say that you say the West Indies have, have gone gone hell for leather and trying to smack the ball out of the park because they're running out of wickets. That's that's been England's strategy. In fact, it was the only time that England were any good in at Test cricket yeah. in the last in the last four or five years. I would say around about 2018 when they they 
backs up their team. You know, the total cricket to era. <laughs> yeah, and you got you got you got some you know a brief period where Joss Butler had license to be a a a maverick thumper mm-hmm. at number number seven. You yeah. got Sam Current number eight. You know these guys swinging for the hills all the way down the innings and getting to getting to two fifty three hundred and being in the fight because fundamentally. It's what is going to win this series. And again, okay, comes back to our fundamental problem here. Why on earth would you drop Broad and Anderson right now? These are two woeful test teams batting-wise. But bowling, there's nothing wrong with West Indies bowling. West Indies bowling is perfectly good to tear this England team apart. They've done it time and time again. 77 all out in Barbados mm-hmm. last time out. England didn't get to 300 in 10 attempts in the Ashes. This is not a very good test team. <laughs> Any any score on the board from West Indies, be it Jason Holder smoking six sixes from from number ten or wherever he ends up coming in, <laughs> you know, it'll be enough to put enough runs on the board to put yep. this England team under pressure, and that is where the problem will lie all through the series. So talking about the beach, there's gonna be a lot of time on the beach. There's gonna be two day tests. All there over might the have. There might be a few days we'll see like test, you know, uh, scores that, of targets of 120 or so, and then they'll just knock it off. Well, we'll see one side if they can knock it off, but probably for the loss of like seven wickets. And that I think is the, the that's the problem that we've been seeing. I mean, just even the last couple of times seeing, you know, Western is even up against Sri Lanka. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Literally struggling. <laughs> To 100 and it, it just I kept saying again I was like surely we can't hit another low and if if you told me that this West Indies bowling lineup could defend 60 I would say absolutely put my money on it I wouldn't even bat an eyelash but if you told me that we had to chase 100 I would genuinely I don't even know if I'd put money on it I would probably just go to my bed and say all right we'll just carry on I'll wait for the next match because that's just how it is it's 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 shocking. And I know I, I realize I'm preaching to the choir here because I know England, of course, has gone through their heavy rotation of who should be the ideal opening pair. And, and here we are today still moaning about the same thing. And it gets to the point that, again, one of the reasons why I think that that match, especially at Kensington Oval in Barbados with Jason Holden and his 202 and, you know, him putting on almost 300 runs for the seventh wicket with Dorich um, stands out to me because that's where it gets it gets I just say do you know what call me when Jason Holder walks out to the crease and then we'll see what we can do in this chase because right now it's hard to put your faith or your money in what's going on at the top because I don't even know we if we know what's going on there in your top order it's almost as if we don't have one you kind of wait for Jason Holder to come on whenever he comes on as we said (laughs) and hope he does something and and so far he has but every time that is a massive gamble and it's a gamble that we cannot take in test cricket because what's going to happen are we going to watch like you know tests that last three days now between us and then have them all on the beach partying after you know it's 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 sad because it's two <laughs> historically amazing test sides who again have given us thrilling tests in recent times you know i'm talking in the last three or so years um, and then now we don't know where these runs are coming from. I looked back at that test again, that same one in Kensington Oval, and seeing that West Indies were asking basically 600 plus runs of England. And I said, <laughs> 600 plus runs. That's probably what we would make across, you know, the entire series. It's now, it's, you know, you almost don't know where to go. I know, but, but if you, I'm, I'm just looking back at the that time, the, the squad, um, obviously going out to, Sri Lanka's different, so you play more spinners. But looking back at the team that played Pakistan last yeah. year, you, you know, that bowling lineup, you know, Kimar Roach, Jaden Seals, who I think is an absolute, oh. absolute gun. 
Um, Jason Holder, we've talked enough about him. He's, he's just brilliant. And mm-hmm. as Aru Joseph, who's, who seems to be coming to his prime. I mean, those, those are four serious quicks. Yeah. I, don't, I think England have got Mark Wood as a serious quick. And Ollie Robinson is a very effective line and length bowler. Um, but, you know, I would, I would back those four, frankly, to cause more rattling of England's cage than England's uh, anointed lineup is going to rattle West Indies. Because albeit, we rattle our own I cage. That your, your cage is we rattle our own cage in batting. That's the, that's the massive problem. And I say you look at this and, and it's not even that I, I don't think that we've had, because I remember we've, we've gone through seasons in West Indies cricket where it has even baffled up to the administration level. And, you know, there was talks of, for example, saving someone like a Darren Bravo, you know, who had the grace, who had the comparisons to Brian Lara to keep him away, you know, from white ball cricket, just so he can focus on, you know, red ball cricket in a time where West Indies were peaking really in, in the shorter formats of the game. And unfortunately that didn't, that just simply didn't work, you know? And then I saw, you know, batsmen coming in, like, for example, one who I will always bat for as well. And I mean, we can all three sit down and try to wonder what, or try to solve this riddle, but Shea Hope to me is still- <laughs> Saw that coming. Hope springs. Beautiful, honestly, but when I saw Shea come in and he had the, the elegance, the class, the style, I was like, oh, this is almost, someone who is you know way before his time or he's someone from the past that you kind of plucked and put him in now and then I know Shea and it's one of the calmest heads you know he's very into his fitness as well takes care of himself as well literally just goes out he's a student of the game always wants to learn and of course we've seen his star rise as well in one day cricket but Honestly, when he first broke in and we saw that amazing innings as well at Headingley how many years ago, I said, this is it. This is our future in Test cricket because no matter what, Shea's never learned to, to try and, you know, nick at something even in Test cricket or to just go hell for leather, as Miller said. But for some reason, and here we are in a test where he's had to be dropped because of poor performances recently. And for me, I was looking at him once as a future of batting in West Indies cricket and it's a riddle that, you know, we're still trying to solve. I was at Headingley in 2017, so I'm one of the select people in the world oh, to have seen to. Shea Hope score a Test 100. <laughs> and he scored two in the same game <laughs> on a ground where no man had ever scored two first-class hundreds um, ever in history. And, and, and yeah, he's not done it again since. It is, it is um, a conundrum wrapped in a riddle inside an enigma. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just some of those, some of the batting issues for uh, West Indies, some of the names, I mean, um, the, the mentioned Alexis kind of the, the depth in in white ball cricket. Um, we, we've seen that the that T20 series um, a few weeks ago when England were out there, the kind of regeneration again. Uh, some of the some of the new guys coming in, Romario Shepherd or Odeon, Odeen Smith, and um, these these names uh, who have who have done it in in CPL and are now getting sort of picked up in the IPL and that uh, and all that business. But the red ball cricket that actually hasn't even been a uh, a domestic first-class tournament for a couple of years because of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, on the back of the recent uh, round, uh, a few rounds of games, John Campbell is is in the squad and looks likely to open again. He did make a hundred um, in uh, in Barbados, um, but it's the same sort of names coming round again. Uh, he got dropped. Kieran Powell had another go. Uh, obviously, Brathwaite is going to open, uh, and then. 
Shea Hope, there's no Shea Hope, uh, although, you know, we, we all hope that, <laughs> that Hope makes it one day. Uh, Roston Chase, uh, Chase has lost his uh, spot despite um, taking eight for against England uh, <laughs> three years ago. Um, uh, there's no Wrecking Cornwall, there's no Darren Bra Bravo, uh, but the, the guys that are coming in are sort of, um, they're not young thrusters, young guys making their name, um, on on the local scene it's sort of Shamar Brooks and then Kruma Bonner and uh, um and, and that kind of cycle begins again because it seems like there isn't that depth of, of batting talent no it, it's something that again I, I keep saying as well puzzles us I know we spoke about the rise of T20 cricket and how that has affected us I think from the grassroots level up now and that's why you kind of keep seeing you reaching for the same names and I see a lot of these Guys, I've seen them. I've grown up with many of them as well. And I've seen them play in our regional competitions. And John Campbell is one that, honestly, I have a lot of time for. And I'm not just saying because he's my fellow Jamaican, but I do have <laughs> a lot of time for because he's still, I know we'll say this isn't his first rodeo and he's not necessarily a spring chicken. He still is young in outside world. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he, he, I do have a lot of time for because I feel like if he gets out of his head and doesn't read too much into the situation at hand, usually, which is <laughs> panic stations, because you're always going to lose some, you're going to see wickets falling around you as the West Indies, whether you're chasing or whether you're trying to build an innings in test cr cricket. And um, I think he, I have a lot of time for him as a batsman. I, in this series now going in, in terms of batting, I would say he's the one that I'm going to keep my eye on the most that I'm excited to see him being given this chance the most out of everyone else right now in terms of batting, because I think he's someone that at the regional level, I've seen him do well. And he's always, you know, in, a, in and amongst the, the, the top run scorers, whether it's the 50 day or whether it's the Western East championship going on, he's always there. His name is always there. I think he just needs to take this opportunity and absolutely run with it as well in the sense that the conveyor belt keeps going around because we don't understand. We don't know what our best batting lineup is right now in test cricket. And I think he should absolutely run with it. He has the patience. He has the style. He has, you know, the, the head for it as well. Just sometimes he tends to be, um, he tends to fall in the temptation of being drawn out to go after those shots. And before you know it, it's like hell for leather. Should I just be running out my crease and and going for any shot and that's something that now that i know that the the brains and of course the brawn that are jimmy anderson and stuart broad are not there i'm like thank goodness because i'm sure they would easily draw him out knowing the experience they have so the fact that they're not there i think that's another advantage as well for the west Indies, specifically john campbell and i hope he can definitely take this opportunity because he's someone that I do have a lot of time for. He's been around the regional scene for many, many years. He's had his chances at that top level. Um, and we've, we've just not seen it for whatever reason. But again, we talk about that this is a battle of who's going to be more woeful, um, a lot of uncertainty. And I think that he should realize that in this England team, realize that we are at home, realize that England also have their uncertainties going on and, and kind of thrive on that because if not now when you know as we said you're not a spring chicken anymore and time's time's slightly running out you know one of the reasons <laughs> why you're back is because I think thanks to everyone else's failures in that <laughs> position so um he's one well, I have a lot uh, of time for <laughs> <laughs> so, 
if he's anything like Kieran Powell, we'll, we'll still be getting a go in sort of five or six years uh, time. <laughs> I mean, Campbell, of course, Miller had his moments in, in that series uh, three years ago, not least hitting uh, Anderson for six to seal a uh, 10-wicket win um, in Antigua, I think it was. Uh, and, and a lot of this side um, fragility um, accounted for have had their moments against England. Uh, you know, Brathwaite has done it. Uh, Holder has done it in spades. J- Jermaine Blackwood has, has done it against England uh, um, on plenty of occasions. Uh, uh, Kemar Roach will lead the attack, um, closing in on becoming the sixth West Indian to 250 test wickets. Um, he's still in good form. So, like like you say, um, <laughs> there's, there's yeah, plenty, I mean, a couple, a couple of those, well, three of those names. I mean, you know, Kemar Roach obviously was integral in that 77 all out last time around. Jermaine Blackwood, a fascinating example of a guy who who has who has been been around the block a wee bit in terms of not quite not quite getting it nailed on each time, but there he was scoring 100 in 2015 on uh, on that on that series, and again an incredible innings to to win in in um, in 2020 as well the, to, that win against the head in, in the Rose Bowl. Um, Guys, guys who who raise their game against England. It it, it sounds like a cliche, but it, it, there are so many guys within the team. And you know, Jason Holder. Come back to him. The last time he performed against England was only a couple of weeks ago, taking four wickets and four balls. Thanks very much. <laughs> End of series. Let's begin the celebrations. You know, that's how, that's how they roll. It, it 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 it's glib, perhaps, to say that West Indies just save their best for England. But there's enough evidence of guys within this team who do that time and time again. And you yeah. know, they may go missing for. For months on months on end, series on end, but back they come. England in town. Somehow they find a way to to rally round and 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 put on a show. Um, but just to just to just to, to, to get back to the batting, uh, you know, I banged on about the, the the areas in which England I think are incredibly weak. There are three areas in which England should, in theory, have the measure of West Indies, and that's in the three pillars in this team, particularly in light of the of the decision to to bin off Broad and Anderson. There's even more importance on Roots, the captain, Ben Stokes, who we haven't even mentioned once. I mean, extraordinary to think, given the performances you put in in 2020, but we, we know he's, be, he's been through the mill, so don't yeah. want to over-egg what he can bring, but, you know, he, he's due a return to form. And then Johnny Bairstow, who is a fascinating case. I mean, Johnny Bairstow, he, there he was in 2012. He's, he's been around for a decade. This is his 10th year. In England. Getting his head knocked off by Kimar Rochi. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly that. Exactly that. He's been, he's been around the block for a decade. Yeah. And it still feels like Johnny Bairstow is, is just about finding his feet. He, that century at, at Sydney was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, but it was a very, um, a very specific century for obvious personal reasons. It was almost out of context of the, of the wider theme of failure within the English cricket on that tour. But if he can tap into that mindset, and it's it, a lot of Jimmy, a lot, a lot of a lot of Johnny's game is mindset, suddenly you've got three guys in that England middle order who can not relied on is overstating it in the current woes of English batting, but they are big game players. They, you know, they're World Cup winners, they 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 have got credentials about them that that surpass pretty much anyone else in that England squad now with Anderson Broad gone. So therefore, there's all the more onus on those three. You know, you can talk all you like about Crawley and Lees as a new opening partnership and Dan Lawrence at four. I mean, uh, I mean, good luck to him, but, but he's not the story here. Uh, it really is about Root at three and then mm-hmm. the engine room 
at, at five and six um, who are going to uh, going to come through and presumably England are going to have to turn to them for the runs because if they're not turning to them for the runs they're, they're not getting the runs frankly well and then and then there's the return of Ben Folks at wicketkeeper as well another another um, yeah, I mean, subplot for the game. series that's an interesting <laughs> I mean I mean he obviously lost his place in the Caribbean the last tour because England mm. uh, at that at that time were playing so many luxury items all the way down their order that <laughs> they couldn't afford a, a luxury item in the in the best wicketkeeper in the world but right now England are at such a low ebb with their test cricket that it's the right moment, I think, to just double down on excellence. They're, they're, they have a good one guy in their ranks in Ben Folks who is unequivocally excellent at a facet of Test cricket. And frankly, bring it on. You know, they, they need they need someone who's going to do the right thing time and time again and be classy because there's not been a lot that's classy about English cricket um, in Test cricket in particular in recent times. So yeah, good luck to him. I'm, I'm glad he's getting his chance. Hearing, hearing Miller go through some of those names, I think I'm almost ready to concede defeat right now. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because at least you have those what ifs. I suppose I'm going to look for our, our next bright spark, which you mentioned, which is Jaden Seals, who is that's, absolutely uh, That's the man roaring. we want to hear about. Jaden oh, Seals yeah. has I, wheels. Yeah, doesn't he just? He has... He, oh, we're definitely massively, massively excited about him in the Caribbean. I think he... He does give us that whiff of, oh, is this back in the good old days of fast bowling? Is he taking us back? And he's got the that passion and that kind of no fear. I mean, he was the one that recently said he's absolutely gutted that Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson aren't, aren't coming, you know, because, and why not? Like, you could literally learn, even going up against two of the best in the world, um, you can definitely learn. And I know there was some friendly talk I would like to say friendly bants um about how he was saying he's watched a lot of the recent matches in the ashes and he kind of has he has an idea of how to draw Joe Root out <laughs> and see if he can you know flirt with that little area just outside off stump and see if he could draw him out there but he's someone that we're absolutely excited about in the Caribbean and um I think he he just seems raring to go really and truly raring to go mm. and, and again it's it's something that has plagued us as to why we're still not producing the the Sir Kirtley Ambrose's the holdings you know of the past um, and and he's one that I know it's way too early for any comparison right now but he's someone that definitely gets people excited he he works a lot he speaks a lot with a lot of the the legends too which is something good always to be a student of the game and I think that now um, I mean, it was funny because he made a, a a debut for the senior team before he even started playing first class cricket. So that I think tells you a lot in and of itself, you know, and he's had some good times. He's had some low times as we know too, but it's all part and parcel. So I think this is going to be also, as much as I said, for the likes of John Campbell and whatnot with the bat, but for the ball, this could be a huge series for him as well, because as well, hearing Miller go through some of those names, those are still big names that you would happily have in your you know cabinet as well you want those names in your pockets i mean johnny Bairstow is still johnny Bairstow has shown us what he can do i mean ben stokes we don't even need to go there the world literally knows that too joe root is still always joe root you know when i see joe root coming into bat um as a west indian i almost want to switch the channel and be like call me when he's out because i if, if he's ready to put out an onslaught we know it's hard for almost anybody to get him out you know um so I think those are there's some big names, some big fish that he can catch in this series. And I think that this is going to be um, a huge opportunity for him to kind of just cement 
some of the talk that we've been hearing and, and seeing from him at the regional level. And then, of course, we've gotten a little taste of it as well once he's started playing for the West Indies. But as we say, this England series is a huge series for you to make um, a name for yourself. And he's the other one in terms of the ball and the fact that he could um, probably even open the bowling with the likes of Kamar Roach. I mean, who mm. else, uh, you know, could you do there? So we'll see. Yeah, only only played seven first-class games, uh, Seals. He's already the youngest West Indian uh, man to take a test fiver. Uh, so we're uh, looking forward to seeing him in action. Um, on the the West Indian fast bowler scene, uh, the connection, um, Alexis uh, Joffre Archer is expected to make an appearance in this series, albeit on the sidelines. I mean, he's obviously um, <laughs> rehabbing from many, many uh, elbow Head issues. Um, yeah. uh, and, and I mean, I don't think England will be uh, putting him in a, picking him for a team for a few months yet, but um, he will be, it will be linking up with the, with the, the squad out there. Um, and that's encouraging. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Joffy's, He's back in Barbados now and he has been um, with all his dogs now. So he's as happy as he can be, but definitely coming on. The, the point is he feels good. You know, he feels good and he's absolutely raring to go. His passion definitely has not died down. But of course, I think what we've learned this time is to not rush these things. Um, you know, he obviously burst on the scene and was the, the new shiny secret weapon, not so secret weapon rather that you want to constantly use. But I think, We've learned a lot. He's learned a lot in the last year about, you know, not rushing these things. So he's there. He's already linked up with the boys a couple of times and he will be. He'll be there watching the game, you know, every every day um, and then continuing his rehab as well there with the England physio. The entire medical team is there as well. So he's definitely in good hands, mentally rearing to go to get back out there. But of course, definitely taking the time physically this time to get him back in tip top shape and and see him out there. Probably um, don't tell Steve Smith, but he'll be coming out there soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we hope uh, that he's back soon and uh, England don't try to break him again. Um, that, that, <laughs> that, I think that pretty much uh, wraps things up for, uh, for this week. Amila, the, the Women's World Cup does, does start at the weekend um, and, and, you know, that's a, a marathon, not a sprint. England, England are the defending champions, but after a, a chastening... Um, Ashes tour for, for them as well as the men. Uh, hopes aren't especially high, I guess. No, they're not. Um, I mean, it's a difficult one for the women. They are going as defending champions, but it's it's a long time ago. Obviously, the World Cup was deferred by a year, and and you know, a five year turnaround compared to a four year turnaround just makes it feel like even more ancient history. And given what's happened already this winter, it's been a it's been a bruising tour for them. You know, the, the ashes did not go to plan. There was, there was rain. There was, there was defeats. There was the near miss in the test match. Um, a lot of, a lot of heartbreak, frankly, they, they were, they were pretty gutted by, by how it all panned out. Um, the one thing you can say is that, you know, they, they have had a chance at least decompress. I spoke to Heather Knight the other day and uh, they've, uh, they got out of quarantine, obviously hard quarantine in New Zealand, which is no fun, but they got out of that. Uh, three days ahead of schedule was reduced to seven days midway through. So that, that was a bonus for them. They've been to Queenstown to just decompress and be mountain climbing and playing golf and just gen generally enjoying themselves. Cause that's the one thing they have not had a chance to do. The, the, the bubble life in Australia was harsher for the women than it was for the men. There's far more concessions made for the men. Uh, obviously the money talks in that respect, but equally, you know, they've, they've been, they've been through the mill and they've got a big, a big defence coming up. I don't 
feel particularly optimistic. I didn't feel optimistic about the about the Ashes, and lo and behold, uh, it's been a theme this winter, funnily enough. Um, but the one thing you can say... Who broke you, you Miller? Say, Who broke you? <laughs> watching England cricket broke me. But one thing you can say is this World Cup could be won by... by I mean, Australia. But this, this World Cup could be won by pretty Other much... Pretty much there are three or four teams yeah. who, will, who will probably get to the semi-finals, and then you're two wins away. And England should make the semi-finals. I think um, it would be. A, I think it would be a big disappointment mm. if they didn't. Uh, they just want to avoid Australia. Realistically, um, everyone wants to avoid Australia. They didn't have fun playing them in the ODIs last month. Um, they they got bowled out for less than 150. I think in each of their each occasion, certainly less than 200. Um, so not a lot of fun to be had in recent times. But passes new. A different format. It's not bilateral anymore. It's you know the the, the jeopardy of the multi-formats uh, campaigns and the ups and downs. There's 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 fun to be had and uh, different scenarios and that hopefully will refresh them mentally because that's really fundamentally what they need. Just need to have a clear mind and, and give it a good run. Well, I think that's uh, that's the misery hour just about up uh, for today. The uh, we had the... some hopeful bits though, didn't we? <laughs> we had our moments. <laughs> the, the sun threat threatened to break through occasionally. Um, <laughs> it's threatened, but we we checked ourselves quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first the first test begins next week in Antigua, uh, where England have never won a test. So we will soon find out whether they're equipped to withstand the heat in Bab- Babylon this time around. My thanks to Miller and Alexis. Hopefully we'll get a positive tune out of one of them as the series progresses. Uh, and to you all for tuning in. As always, you can keep up to date with the latest via espncrickinfo.com.